Welcome to the Exit Strategy, your no bullshit guide to divorce with the experienced attorneys from New Direction Family Law and guests that have been there. Unfiltered discussions to help you move from victim to victorious and from bitter to better. Hi, everyone. It's Elizabeth Stevenson with New Direction Family Law. I'm Sarah Hink, her law partner and podcast partner. Absolutely. And today we have a great guest. I'm very excited to have him here. His name is Tim. He is going to discuss with us his experience with the court system, being a father that is seeking custody of his daughter, and how it is also the stresses of being a single father when you're the one that has the majority of the time. And typically we think of people that are in that position as being the mom, but that is honestly not the case for a lot of people. So Tim, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. And this is your first podcast, which I'm like, what, five in at this point? So... (laughs) True experience. <laughs> five I expert no, over no, here. No, you've twenty two. It's, it's twenty two, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So Tim, Tim, why don't you introduce yourself and the age of your daughter and when you started going through the court system? Yeah. Thanks for having me. My name's Tim. My daughter just recently turned eight, and we've been going through the court system since she was about eight or nine months. Oh, wow. yeah, like her whole life. Yeah, wow. definitely. And were you married to the mother? No, we were never married, never dated. So it was just a quick, quickie, <laughs> basically. <laughs> no, it was one and done. And as soon as she walked away, I was like, who's that? Yeah. But come to find out, she there was a pregnancy from the relationship. Indeed. I found that out six months la- afterwards. After, after your daughter was, was born? After me and the mother no longer had communications. So six months into the pregnancy. Okay. And did she allow you to be part of that? I'd say that she reached out, but when I tried to engage before we got into the court system, there was definitely some power struggles and a lot of back and forth on trying to see my daughter and how to see my daughter and all those kinds of things that go with that. A lot of my clients, especially new moms who are single, think that they're the only ones that can take care of their newborn, which is unfortunate because that's a great, that's when you need to start that bonding time is right when they're born. Mm -hmm. And geographically, she resided somewhere else in you, correct? Yeah, she uh, resided about an hour and a half away from where I did. Okay. So who made the first step towards trying to initiate a custody schedule and court order or anything? I did. And I think it stemmed from what I was saying where it was really difficult to see my daughter. And I finally had enough of it and said, I think that there's a better way to go about this. And then I basically took my daughter and then started the court proceeding from there. Okay. And going into that, did you think it was going to be a battle for you just based on the fact that you were the father seeking custody? Definitely. I think from a cultural perspective, what you were saying in the beginning, where we typically think of the moms as having custody, the court system favoring the moms Mm -hmm. historically, men have an overall, I think, negative stigma in our society. And so I just felt like the overall atmosphere was against me. Fair. And you felt that way going into court. How about your first couple of times going to court? How did you feel after that? It was definitely a continual feeling that it was an uphill battle for sure. We'd probably been in and out of court every six months for about six years. And as time grew, went on, and as we continued to win cases, I felt a little bit more positivity with that forward momentum. But definitely in the beginning, it was extremely daunting. And what was the hardest part for you going through these custody trials and having to go back to court and making filings? What's the hardest part for you? 
I'd say the hardest part was my daughter was born when I was 22 in college, didn't have a professional job yet. And just being able to manage having an eight month old with me during that time and then trying to establish ourselves and be able to form a life where we could grow and prosper was a continual challenge and something that we had to work at over a long period of time. And especially with the costs around that and things like that, it definitely wasn't easy. So can you said you're in court like every six months or so for the last six for the for the first six years the last two years uh about we really haven't settled settled down after that point yeah of my own volition okay so what do you think made it so i want to say volatile that's probably not the word i should be using in the beginning what was it that that y'all ended up going to i think in the beginning as the court often tries to do in this area they try to get 50 50 percent if there aren't extenuating circumstances around violence or drug abuse they really Mm -hmm. want to try and have both parents involved in the kid's life in this area of the country and i think that they tried to set up that 50 50 schedule and We continued to see issues from the other party's side of not following the order, not being able to follow through and be there when it mattered, and continual bad decisions to where I felt the need to continually bring up issues to the court. And over those kind of six years, the 50-50 custody slowly went away. The decision-making from the mom's part went away. The choices from the mom's part went away to the point where I now have 100% custody, right? 100% decision-making, and quite honestly, the mom really can't decide to do anything. I know she's young, but what effect do you think that had on your daughter? It's Just been, the litigation part of it. Not talking about the parenting part, but... Or was there? She was so young, you shielded her from it. I don't know. Unfortunately, some of those bad decisions had to do with the mom bringing my daughter to court. So she was exposed at a very early age to some of that. And so I definitely think that has had a lasting impression. I think as parents often do, they try to weaponize the information. And as my daughter has grown older, the mother has felt the need to continually say, uh, court information, things that were happening, and it has continued to color the way that my daughter has thought about the situation, perceived me, has perceived the mother, and it's definitely very difficult on her to only have primarily me. I've seen a pattern with young moms. If they have a child when they're very young, they seem to get frozen in the age where they had the child. Child. And you see this pattern of them thinking of the child more like as their friend. And so you're not parenting, you are just stuck with, I love this person and this person, I made it, so they have to love me too. And that's all that there is in that relationship. And let's snuggle, let's go do this, but it's not actual parenting. So when that happens, a lot of times you have the father Mm -hmm. being the one that's going to be the doer. Like, I want to give this child experiences and opportunities and making sure they go to school and do all the things that mom doesn't take upon herself because she's still in that, this is my friend, not this parenting role. Right. It's interesting that you say that because even to this day, when the mom drops off or picks up, she'll say, bye, best friend, or hey, best friend. Mm -hmm. And I do not talk to my daughter like that. Yeah. Yeah. She's my daughter to teach, mentor, grow. Maybe when she's 25, we'll be more friends. But at this (laughs) stage in her life, that 
I'm not her okay. friend and I'm not supposed to be, in my opinion. It takes the court a while, I think, to get that picture because they're making decisions for this child based on a few hours of testimony. Right. And so the easiest thing is to do 50-50 if there's not drugs and alcohol. So that's right. what Tim did is, okay, well, you're not seeing these things outside the picture. I really want you to see them because it matters to me as a parent that my child's getting the opportunities that I want her to. Right. And mom's not disrupting that. And, and you're definitely not the only parent that's going through that. So what advice would you give a parent in your position of how to respond to your child about if mom's saying things about court or negative things about you? What do you say back? You know, I do my best not to speak negatively about the other party. It's very important that when my daughter brings up these feelings that it's much more I take a listening role, an empathetic role, and try to just tell her that people's experiences are different. We all do the best that we can. And really just being there for her to express herself than me trying to change the way that she's trying to express right. herself or say that, oh, no, this is wrong. I don't feel like that's my role and I don't want to impart that information on her because then it further sullies the way that she thinks about the situation. Right. And she can't understand it anyway at this age. Right. And so for me to bring up that information is really that's going to do more for me. That's really something that's, that's right. a selfish thing right. versus that's what's best for her. Right. Man, he's got some insight. I know. Oh my gosh. So do you think that your perspective there has changed as a father since you've matured and your daughter has matured? Was there ever a time where you would give yourself like a little bit of, I could have done better? Or has this been something that kind of clicked in you? I think there's always areas of opportunity where we can all better ourselves. But I do think in terms of the bad talking and things like that, I don't think that's ever been something that I've really brought up. I think that's that type of a household is something that I grew up in. And so even when my daughter was very young, I knew that this is not something that I want to do. And I was trying to very thoughtfully make sure that didn't come into the equation. Were there times that I may have slipped here and there? Sure. But overall, I think I've really tried to refrain from that. Yeah. And as far as dealing with judges and their decisions, I know that there's always going to be time. No one ever goes to court and 100% of the time gets what they're seeking. So how do you deal with those kind of setbacks whenever there's been judgments that you thought could have been in a different manner or something you just didn't like or didn't think that was in the best interest of your daughter? I'll agree with Part of what you say, I think that initially no one gets 100% of what you want. But at this point, after we've gone so many times, I do have 100% of what I want. The court order, for lack of a better term, crafted it myself. And a lot of the points in the order form, I said, this needs to be worded like this. But that was only the most recent iteration. And so those earlier times when the outcome wasn't 100% of what I wanted, it was making sure that I was diligent on watching what the other side was doing, absorbing how that was affecting my daughter. And when I felt like something was out of place or wrong, it was up to me to put those motions into action and bring up those points to the court so they could see what was happening behind the scenes. And really advocate for yourself and your daughter in that respect too, mm -hmm. which is important to keep trying. And a lot of people will just do an avoid it. I, I just can't deal with this. I'm not going to deal with that. So if sure. they're not doing something, they're, they're not paying something, I'm just going to let it go because I, I can't do this for six years or I can't afford to do this for mm -hmm. six years kind of thing. So you got to pick your battles there I, I and know when you can do that and when you shouldn't do that. And okay, this has happened. Say this person's been late to a pickup four times, let's just see if it's going to be eight right. times because that's going to be stronger if you can really connect the right. pattern in front of the court so they don't just excuse the other person's behavior 
for things happen. Right. So you started out, it sounded almost like tips. So if, what would you say to a single parent if they were in getting ready to go to court? What are some tips that you would give them? Think about who in your life can support your perspective, right? The court can hear from you all they want, but at the end of the day, that judge may partially think that what you're vocalizing is for you. So as many people as you can have that support you, that see a similar perspective to you, mm -hmm. it is very important to have those support vehicles in your life, not only just for the court aspect, but really they're coming to court because they support you in right. your life, whether that's parents, family, friends, right. community, what have. So I think it's very important to have those bonds and those supportive pillars in your life. What kind of relationship should you have with your attorney? Honesty is probably first and foremost in uh, advocating for yourself, but... Yeah, no, you need to be honest with your attorney. You need to let them know the struggles that you feel you may have when you go in front of the judge, the strong points that you may have, and asking your attorney what you need to do to be successful based on their experience. They see tons of people in mm -hmm. my situation. Mm -hmm. I only see me in my situation right. to be able to extrapolate that greater set of data and then apply it to my life and then bring it to court. Those insights are extremely helpful. Good. And just having a relationship with the attorney. So I, I have plenty of clients who will disappear for months right. and all of a sudden they want me to do something. I'm like, okay, I'm on it. And then they disappear again. I'm like, why do I feel like you don't care about what <laughs> Why do I care more happens? about your case than you do? Yeah, yeah, you cared about it like real big on this one day and then, then you don't feel like you're invested in doing this. Right. It's where I tell people, this is another job and, and we can't do our job if, if you're not 100% in helping us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, is equally as important is to know that my attorney cares about me on more than just a business level. I have, and I would, again, call my attorney on the weekends at night <laughs> on her personal number. And she gives me the freedom to, to do that because I think we've established a relationship where if I'm making that mm -hmm. outreach, something is serious and right. we really need right. to talk. Exactly. Um, right, exactly. And having that back and forth and having that relationship is very important to me to feel that support. And attorneys choose who they give their personal Absolutely, number to. we do. Not every client gets <laughs> that. that. Most don't. I'll say the majority no. don't. <laughs> I have a non-attorney here in the room. A question for you, Tim. Outside of court, being a single dad, have you experienced any stigmas? Going back to the cultural thing you mentioned yeah. to begin with, being a single dad in, out in the world, you know, with your daughter, have you experienced any stigmas from that standpoint? Because I think so much... If we see like a single mom, we think one thing or say one thing or something different or a dad, it might be a little bit different. Have you experienced any of that at all? Yeah, absolutely. Stigmas from my friends. My 20s stopped in 22. The rest of my friends went on and continued to have that and didn't really understand <laughs> what I was going through. My family who had, you know, never been in my position didn't really understand it. I think it makes it very difficult from a personal aspect. Personally, I've decided not to bring a partner into my daughter's life until she's at least a late teenager. And it's something that you have to wrap your head around that this is something that I'm doing because I feel like it's what's best for her and gratification for me can be delayed until later. That's pretty big. That is big. Yeah. So that, what does that do for your dating life? It makes it non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> right That's 100% custody and he doesn't have a bar. Yeah. yeah. But I see, we see that all the time that like you get separated, 
you have three kids and all of a sudden you're dating someone and they're, then they're spending the night and then they've moved in. And then six months later, that person's gone, another person's in. And that, I think, is what goes back to your point is that the, that parent is not fully developed. No, they're not. Then, yeah, Something happened where they just stopped in that that mind frame when they had their kids from the first time. And it's detrimental to children. They don't understand. Yeah. And they also see this as being normal. So when they grow up and they have their relationships, right. they're going to do the same thing. Correct. So that's dangerous because uh, you don't want your children to repeat your mistakes that's and right. romantic relationships and many marriages and that sort of thing. That's right. That's and it right. does happen. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Jen with New Direction Family Law. And if you've ever known a friend that's gone through some sort of a custody dispute, you can imagine how stressful it is. Or if you've gone through a custody dispute yourself, child custody disputes can be one of the most stressful and exhausting times of divorce for you and your children. You know your children best, and it's important that you know your legal rights and options and have a say in what's in the best interest of your children. At New Direction Family Law, we have over 30 years experience protecting the rights of our clients in child custody matters. We aggressively advocate, we support, and we educate our clients to achieve the best possible outcomes. So if you're going through a child custody matter or you have a loved one that is, let us be strong for you so you can be strong for your children. Give us a call today at 919-719-3470 to schedule an initial consultation or reach out to us via our website at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. So what about like extracurriculars? Are you like the only dad on the sideline there? <laughs> how many shades of colors have your nails been painted? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know how to do a mean French braid. We'll be doing that tomorrow, actually. But no, in terms of like on the sidelines at sports and stuff like that, I think that other fathers are just in, in general in society can be in, fairly involved in things like sports and clubs like that. So I'm around other fathers, but they have a different home life than me. They have mm -hmm. a different situation right. and a different way that they go about making choices for their family. So I think just being able to relate to those different folks and being able to have them see a little bit of what I go through can help with that bonding. But no, I, like I said, I decide all the activities that my daughter does. I pay for them all. I bring her, I pick her dance, soccer, arts and crafts, whatever, you name it. And so it's definitely, as I didn't grow up with any of these kind of traditionally female mm -hmm. interests, so it's been something that I've had to learn to adapt to. And, you know, it wasn't until I had her that I figured out how to paint nails or what, any of that yeah, other yeah. stuff. And I've spent quite a fair amount of time on blogs, figuring out how to braid yeah. and the right YouTube. little things. And YouTube is helpful for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, and it's definitely an interesting dynamic at my house because my daughter is a different race than I am. So she has different hair than me and different skin needs and different identity issues, quite frankly. Yeah. And that is another level on top of all the court things where I have to think about how to relate to her and think about how to build her up and all those kinds of things that go with self-esteem and building that and building your identity. Mm -hmm. And so do you have a support group of single parents or are you just out there solo? Final? It's interesting you mentioned that because I've often thought about starting a support group for single parents. Quite honestly, I'm very busy, so I haven't <laughs> quite got around to that. Maybe I'll pick your brain afterwards on that. But no, I don't really have a single parent support group or anything like that. So it's it really is mostly me. Right. That would be helpful. That would be I'm sure sometimes. You, you can't tell me that my other moms though, don't come up and give you advice and things. No, actually, I would say they more ask for my advice because they find themselves dealing with 
what I deal with on the mom's side, but they deal with it on the dad's Dad's side side. for them. How'd you deal with this? How'd you get to where you are? And that journey. And even not single moms, I've had a lot of married parents just inquire about that, that journey and how you navigate that with the divorce rate being 55% in America. I think it's uh, something that a lot of us have friends or family members that might be going through that. And when they see somebody who has pretty much only known that and has been successful in that realm, they're interested to see how that goes, especially men when they feel like, oh, the woman is just going to automatically get custody. I'm only going to see my kids every other weekend. For those folks, I would say that that's the cultural bias in your head and that it doesn't have to be like that. And if you don't try to make something happen, then of course it's going to default to that. Correct. You made a big point there about this has always been the way it it's been for you. So you didn't start out in a marriage and raise a child together with someone for five years and then go off and try to do it on your own. I think that might be harder for some people. And that's why they find themselves back in a relationship because they would rather. Was you used of, to having that other person yeah, pick up the slack? Instead yeah. of doing the hard work yeah. and handling it, they're like, well, let me just get another partner to help with these rides to daycare and right. scooting the child around town. So you need to give yourself props for that. Absolutely. A lot of people can't hack it. They just get remarried, <laughs> That's yeah. true. especially the guys. They're like, oh, this is a lot of work. I didn't have to do this no, before. Mom did it all before. And now I, I need a new mom. Yep. I agree with that <laughs> wholeheartedly. Do you have some of these single parents hitting on you on the sidelines too? <laughs> they they try, but they don't get far. <laughs> We're more invested in your dating life than you are. <laughs> way more. Way more. We got to do something. Yeah. So what about communication with the mother? Uh, with the other party. How has that gone through this time period? And how, what advice would you have to people about what to do to keep that best for your kids? It's going to be different for each person, what that communication is like. Yeah, I'd say that it's important to track, record, and codify communications to think before you just put things out there, to not react with emotion, Mm -hmm. to think about things logically. And when you do interact to get very to the point. This isn't, hey, how you doing? What's going on? It's boom. And just leaving it to where it's very, it's cordial, but it's to the point. And certainly the communication during those court years were rare, were mostly through my lawyer and were very tumultuous. I'd say at this point, we haven't been in court in a few years. And we've gotten to the point where we meet and exchange and not that we talk to each other, but nothing happened. I keep her in the loop on events and things like that. And sometimes she'll, for example, show up to a dance recital and we'll spend a few minutes around my daughter together or whatever. But for the most of it, when she comes to those things, I usually give them space to have their time and then I step in and take over from there. We try to communicate respectfully at this point. However, that has not always been the case. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Especially if you're not going to have, you don't know how to communicate. And a lot of people have different parenting styles, so it makes conflict easy when you don't don't come at it from the the, the same direction. I think you would agree that we have probably the most opposite personality and communication styles that exist. And so it has been definitely a challenge there. Yeah, that's why I was just a quickie. It wasn't going to last long there. Thank you for for bringing that up again. This makes me... No, but that's what I tell everyone whose relationship fails is like you, if there was communication issues in the marriage, well, clearly you're going to have the same problem co-parenting afterwards. Right. Definitely. It doesn't get any better. It gets worse. But you didn't know that because y'all didn't know each other. You had no idea what could have turned out completely 360 the other 
way. Unfortunately, well, it didn't. But it would be 360. You'd be right where you were. <laughs> you know I'm not good with that. <laughs> 180. 180. It'd be 180, yeah. But you didn't know that. I All I can say is kudos, because a lot of people would not have stepped up. May have just yep. walked away, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? Or given up when right. the court system kept beating you down and right. didn't see it from your perspective and just give in. Did you have, I don't know who your assigned judges were. Were they women or men? Women. And do, well, so you don't have a perspective on men judges, but did you feel like they had a, because they were women, had a bias against you? You can speak freely. You can speak. <laughs> Pain me in the course of the judges are listening. Um, well, they'll be rotated off uh, before if they're you listening. If they're listening, I'm just like, hey, shout out. <laughs> great. You've all done fantastic work. We love you. Um, great job, guys. I'd say that the judges, they try to see things from nonpartisan view. They try to hear what both sides are saying. But the fact of the matter is that we're all human. Right, we all right. have our personal experiences right. that color the way that we see things. And especially a judge who sees these things tons of times a day for years at a time right. and things like that. I felt like there was probably some initial bias towards the mom simply because that's been our cultural stigma through history. But I think as we worked through the system, we had the same judge for a number of years. Mm -hmm. We also were had some really fortunate situations to where the types of cases that we filed were able to be rolled over to secondary judges. Mm -hmm. And that's really where I felt like we caught a lot of breaks, if you will, was having someone else step in, see the situation, hear the background mm -hmm. that wasn't our primary judge, and then they made a new decision, which then our primary judge was able to see their mm -hmm. ruling mm -hmm. and was able to help shape how she then ruled moving forward. That's very insightful and helpful, I mm -hmm. think. Interesting. Yeah, it's like a fresh set of eyes that then have the back bias, yeah. and especially with young parents who mm -hmm. we had one person who was maturing and the other person just did right. it. And I, if you start out 50-50, it's hard to get them to change that Correct. without any huge something. something happen. And sometimes something does happen and you do get rolled over to a different judge. And Tim said, new perspective. That's good. Also just like they're human. So some are going to react differently than others when facts are put in front of them. And yeah. Right. So as a sort of a wrap up, what's an overarching theme for you as a single dad having gone through six mm. years of litigation which it takes a toll on anybody yeah i just say that it's definitely not always easy quite honestly it probably shouldn't be but i'd say that if you really feel in in your heart that something isn't right with the other side and that your child is really suffering on a really like you can see it happening you can prove it happening you can document the evidence of it happening. And I think if you're able to make that case in an organized and linear fashion when you bring it to the judges, it really helps them to seek this happened. We gave chances. This mm -hmm, happened. We mm -hmm, gave chances. Mm -hmm. We've done. So just having that persistence, knowing what issues to litigate over. Even though we haven't been to court in the last two years, I can assure you there have been a number of issues which I could have litigated over but really in the scheme of things is it worth it are we going to get blood from a stone is there anything there, there to anything really anything really right. more or is it just we're going to waste money and the judge is going to give this to the right. other party so understanding 
when to act, what the appropriate time is over this issue has been happening for X amount of time. And now it's time to bring it up. It's very helpful. And that's where I think it's important to lean on your attorney's insights to say, is this something that's valid to bring up? Do we need to wait longer? Is this a real issue in your perspective and all those kinds of things? So just persistence and being able to see the situation from a holistic standpoint. Yeah. And of course, it's always valid to you as a parent. It affects your everyday life. So it can be hard to hear your attorney say, I don't think that's worth bringing up in court or going to court over. Or sometimes it's it's not even about the child. It's like getting back at the end. Definitely sometimes. I'd say that's the most, one of the biggest things is that anything that you're trying to do where it's like getting back at someone else or doing it for your own Mm -hmm, self interest, mm -hmm. the judge is going to be able to see that and it's going to look really bad on you. So being able to approach that judge and that court date with, a level head with the correct evidence and with those support pillars Mm -hmm. that are verbalizing the same things that you are Mm -hmm. really helps it drive home the point with the judge. Yeah, we start like a custody mentorship group in the firm and have Tim be a part of that. that. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Mentorship, single parenting grouping. We're just making plans for your dating life, for things you're going to do outside of work. Yeah, we'll start a new dating app for single parents. It's not a bad idea. I wonder if it's out there. Do you know if it's out there? Uh, No. I don't know either. We'll look into it. It could be a moneymaker. Tim, thank you so much. Like booze pops. Look out for our booze pops. (laughs) All kinds of alcohol. It's going to be all flavors. It'll be a solo podcast for that. dreams okay <laughs> thank you so much for being here today yeah, Tim. it's you. been great and i hope some of our male listeners and female listeners okay. out there can get a lot from this as being a single parent and also advocating for yourself and your child through the court system which can be really tough absolutely so check us out on an, another episode and got a lot of good tips today yeah man ain't that some shit? thanks for listening this episode is complete Visit NewDirectionFamilyLaw.com for show notes and resources and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for more resources and information. And remember, with change comes empowerment.